Good morning, planet Earth. Good morning to the Sklumptons. Good morning to the strange brothers and sisters of the Sky Crystal. Good morning to the travelers who are currently taking the transit train. The transit. I'm going to drink a little whatever coffee here. Good morning to the people on the interstellar transit traveling between here and Boblimtok at 51.6 times the speed of light. Their minds are melting quite nicely. Their souls are molding quite rightly. It is Monday, February the 7th. Can you believe it? 2022, in the age of Boblimtok. Do you know where your gold is? Do you know where your guns are? Is your powder dry? Yeah, it is Monday, just after midnight, 2022, here in Utah. And I am up, and I am thinking about a lot of weird stuff, brothers and sisters, fellow human beings, creatures that crawl about like the scrungly crabs that we are. Stringly and scrungly. Ready for the fire. Yeah. First topic. Now, I have ranted a lot about the Milgram experiment because I consider it to be, how can I phrase this? Inapplicable. It doesn't fit. You know, people think about like, okay, supposedly the Milgram experiment, Dr. Stanley Milgram, thought it up in the context of the trial of Eichmann, Eichmann the secretary, Eichmann, the paper pusher. The thing is, nowhere in Adolf Eichmann's many evil Nazi titles was it Eichmann, the guy that pushed the button to torture some dude, you know. Adolf Eichmann might have killed a Jew. Adolf Eichmann might have killed a gypsy. Adolf Eichmann might have killed a homosexual traveling home from work. But he ran logistics, which means if he didn't want to kill anybody, he didn't have to. 
This is really critical. The Milgram experiment depends upon an associative relationship between some pseudo-victim that the lab guy says is just a person pretending to be in pain and the person administering the pain. But the reality is, for a very long time, arguably since the invention of gunpowder, one could argue with the invention of the trebuchet and the catapult and the ballista and gunpowder and rockets um, and missiles, one could say with the bow and arrow, you could shoot a, an arrow a hundred yards and kill a person and not really see them scream or wench in pain. You might have a kind of pixelated view from a distance at Agincourt, but you didn't actually have to be there when they pooped their butthole and you probably won't be able to pick them out from the battlefield. That's called mechanical distance. And in military science, military theory, that refers to the distance that you have as the person that wants to do the killing from the person that's actually killed. For example, if the president orders somebody to be killed, the president has a shitload of mechanical distance. He doesn't have to smell anybody's poop. He doesn't have to smell dead bodies. He doesn't. The Milgram experiment is based on a faulty premise. That the people doing the murdering and killing are the only people in the machine. In reality, when you get down to the dude actually pushing the button on the gas chamber or flying the drone, even then you typically have mechanical distance. The gas chamber itself is mechanical distance. You don't have to go and stab a bunch of people. You just lure a bunch of people into what you say is a shower, and then you kill them. So, I guess I'm going to read Dr. Freckles' quote now. Just because you can't hear the screams, that doesn't mean people aren't being tortured, raped, and killed. Just because you can't hear the screams doesn't mean people aren't being killed. I know I'm sorry. Sorry I disturbed you. Just because you can't hear the wail doesn't mean people aren't being raped. And just because you can't hear the torment, it doesn't mean people aren't being tortured. Milgram was wrong. Maybe he was wrong by accident. Maybe he was asked to create another kind of mindfuck. Because now you have a society of, of topsy-turvy voters who, because they can't hear people being killed, it basically means nobody's being killed. They, they're basically convinced there's no problem because they can't smell it, they can't touch it or hear it. It's not there, you know.
There are people that still have to kill with their hands. There are people who still want to kill with their hands. There are people that still have to kill with a knife. There are still people who carry a sword and they'll shove it through your heart. There are still people who kill looking you in the eyes as they strangle you to death. There are still people that have to touch your flesh as you slowly die. But the people that do the killing for the United States government don't have to do any of those things. They can simply issue an order and after many lines of separation well beyond the Kevin Bacon connection, someone gets killed. And if it's a drone operator, that drone operator is the closest thing that that murdered family has to an observer who has to participate in the death. And even then, for the drone operator, it's a video game. And, and you know what? Let's say they get their artificial intelligent robots on the battlefield. I think it's hype, but who knows, right? There'll be no connection at all. In fact, at that point, the person that has the closest connection to the murder is the programmer. And if the computers start programming the computers, that means that no one's connected. And it's just death and murder, which means in my mind as a Christian, it's a demon. God bless, right, technology? The Milgram experiment is broken. It's based on a crazy idea that if you don't hear it, if you don't smell it, if you don't touch it, if you don't see it, if you're not told about it, it's not happening, right, you fuck? During the great monkey herpes pandemic, because I have no respect for what the story is, the narrative, during the great monkey herpes COVID Rona germophobic pandemic, millions of people killed themselves. And I would argue a fair portion of those people killed themselves worldwide because of a lie because of a deception. You want to talk about mechanical distance, imagine the distance between a PSYOP and the person that takes too many pills. Imagine the distance between a PSYOP 
and the person that decides to stop taking their cancer meds. Imagine the distance between a PSYOP and the person that has type 1 or type 2 diabetes and just decides to not give a fuck. The distance is huge. And if you're a sociopath, the distance is infinite because there is no connection to humanity at all. There is no soul there. There's nothing. Next topic. Okay? What do you think? Next topic, is that okay? Just saying. A lot of you folks, like, I listen to Dane Wigington from time to time. I'm not sure what he is. He could be legit. He could be a sheepdog. And if you don't know what a sheepdog is, sheepdogs are people that keep the people who get close to the truth from getting there. They, you know, get close. You'll get close. You'll get the the Dr. Malone mass formation psychosis. What you should be told is it was a psyop and that Dr. Malone's gaslighting of your humanity is a shit deal. And they'll tell you, oh, COVID was kind of real. No, COVID wasn't real at all. It was total bullshit. It's way better to do a fake pandemic than a real one. I didn't completely see it beforehand. I got really close to understanding it in 2019. But yeah, way better to do a fake pandemic. Way better. Especially if you prep your population with tons of germophobia. The Milgram experiment, to close this out, is based on the idea that only in situations where humans are knowledgeable of what's going on are they useful. And this is bullshit. Compartmentalization has been part of modern bureaucracy since the Prussian reforms of the 19th century. So actually, there are tons of motherfuckers out there that enable the machine of death that have no fucking clue what they're doing. And let's just talk about the pizza guy. He just delivers pizzas. He just delivers pizzas to the drone facility. He just makes sure that the dudes flying the drones that are murdering families can get their fucking carbo load and their Pepsi load for their night of gaming while a bunch of kids get shredded by Hellfire missiles. But all this fucker does is delivers fucking pizza. I'm going to tell you folks, and you're not going to want to hear this, some of you, my friend Jim and I go around on this. You can do whatever you want to do, but if you live on the Death Star, stop stop pretending there isn't some of that blood on you. Stop pretending. We all not we all need to be we all need to stop pretending that that blood doesn't get on all of us. It does. There's your lesson of the fucking Milgram experiment. The blood from all these very difficult to connect deaths that seem completely remote from your life, that blood, that death, that evil goes on all of us. Every single one of us. If you carry a dollar in your pocket, and that includes me, you get a little bit of that blood. That stolen oil in Syria, that family that had to get fried, yeah, they'll give you a good excuse and they'll claim noble lies, but it's really just good old-fashioned stealing people's shit and murdering people and lying and cheating and violating, you know, 
the covenant with God. As Dr. Freckles once said, and I'll read the quote before I move on, just because you can't hear the screams, just because you can't hear the noises, doesn't mean people aren't being tortured. Doesn't mean people aren't being raped. Doesn't mean they're not being killed. Just because you can't hear it. Next topic. Yeah, I'm in really good spirits, right? So I have a friend that lives in California. And I won't say which city, just, just understand they, they, my friend lives in California. It's a female and she lives on the coast someplace. And she was dating a person once that worked as a quote-unquote white hat hacker. A white hat hacker for the feds, maybe a contractor for the feds like Snowden. Maybe a formal Fed type Fed that gets a Fed fucking badge or a laminate like Dexter. But some type of Fed hacker. And my friend in California, their relationship fell apart and that happens. The, the Fed hacker was a cheater. The Fed hacker had a wife. The Fed hacker was a piece of shit. And so my friend, who is also a surfer, said... I'm not going to have any more of this. Okay, I've had enough. My life is already too complicated. Now, my friend in California has been beta testing my application. And it's a really simple application. If you go to planetarystatusreport.com and you click on the links that says notes, it's still being developed. There's stuff that doesn't work, but it's basically a map-based bulletin board. It's a bulletin board. And it's a bulletin board in the truest sense because you don't have to log in. You don't need to give me your fucking email or phone number. I don't give a fuck. All I use is your IP address, which is what you have to give every website anyways. Like just for the World Wide Web to function correctly, you have to give them your IP address. So I figured since that's something you already have to give up, that's all I'm going to take from you. If you run Brave Browser and you put it over any site at all, you'll see all kinds of cookies and crap. You, you run Brave Browser on planetarystatusreport.com slash notes.php and it reports nothing. And I'd like to keep it that way. That's my goal with the site. It is a bulletin board. And since you share an IP address... Um, some spooky things can happen if you've been hacked. My friend in California noticed that she was able to, you know, it seemed like she was saving, but she couldn't read. And so I asked her if she had any friends where she lived, and she said she had a friend that run Linux, and I said, that's pretty cool. Have them go to the site, see if they can save and read. And her friend that lived right nearby on the same cable internet plan 
had no problem. And I said, listen, my friend in California, I don't know what's going on here. It's clearly something about your computer. And then my friend prompt me, well, I dated this white hat hacker, this fed, this American fucking hero. And he's been hacking me for a few years now. And we were on the phone for a few hours talking about this. Um, let me tell you guys something. In 1997, I participated in a computer war game that involved hundreds, maybe even thousands of officers and non-commissioned officers around the world and in the United States military for a combined, combined arms simulation of war in Korea. Like, if the North Koreans attacked, what would we do? The point of this is that it's serious, right? I mean, if you're going to prepare for war with North Korea, since technically there's never been a peace, there's only been an armistice, and technically and factually there are, well, there were, and I don't know if there continue to be, exchanges across that border periodically. Maybe it's better today than it was then. This exercise was designed to train soldiers for war. And on the first day, one of the naval reserve officers playing opposing forces, playing North Koreans, sank a U.S. aircraft carrier. Keep in mind, this is a virtual carrier. This isn't a real aircraft carrier. And what they should have done is continue with the game. Instead, they stopped the game they sent all the officers away and they said, no, don't worry about it. We just got to reset the game, you know. My first time on staff duty happened just after I signed for my platoon. And my platoon was by any estimation at 50% strength at the time. But, and that's what I reported, by the way, when I signed for it. But when I looked at the status report, I was going to fax the Camp Red Cloud that first time on staff duty. It said my platoon was at 90%. Now I got other stories. I can tell you I served my country and I left and I was honorably discharged. I can also tell you as an anarchist, that I feel, and, and a Christian, that this was one of the greatest mistakes of my life. I, I used to say I was okay with it. I'm, now I think not at all. I get why I did it. I get why it happened. I get why I served. But I was very naive. Very naive. When I took my oath in 1996, I actually believed that other officers took the same oath and that they would protect and defend the Constitution against enemies foreign and domestic, which meant the Bill of Rights, motherfucker. Which means that if any of the officers that were commissioned with me in 1996 took their fucking oath seriously, there would be six inches of blood in Washington, D.C. right now. That's the truth. The Bill of Rights is what got people to sign on to that wretched bullshit. The Bill of Rights is the sugar that helped the poison 
of the coup of 1787 go down. The reality is we were a free country already. We had lots of free people. But we didn't have an army. We didn't have a navy. And, and later in life, we wouldn't have that fucking CIA. So we certainly needed a fucking constitution, didn't we? If any of the officers that served with me took their oath seriously, we would be technically in a state of civil war. We would be. Because what's happened since 2020 is so beyond what we could possibly accept. I would argue what's happened since 9-11 is wretchedly beyond what we should accept, but definitely 2020. And arguably my whole life, my experience has been seeing a freedom I had taken away. For example, let's talk brass tacks. When I was in, when I was a kid, living in Washington fucking state, all I needed was a fucking driver's license to go to Canada. And there was no deep state scan of my history for bullshit reasons based upon false flag operations. No, you just needed your fucking driver's license. And you could go to Canada. Now you need a passport. You want a concrete fucking example of a freedom of sorts that has disappeared? There's an example. If you want to know what the price of it is? Way more than a fucking iPhone, fuckhead. My friend in California is being stalked by somebody that is using federal government resources to hack their computer. My application, because it's so dead-ass simple, because it's simply based on IP address, identified the hack. Here's some advice to my listeners. Go to that application I'm still building, okay? If you can't read what you just saved, like go and save a note and then see if you can read it a few seconds later. If, if it doesn't show up, a few seconds later, then I'd say that it's possible you've been hacked too. Sorry. There's a man in the middle doing a really bad job of the A, B, C's, and D's. Now, what do I mean by the A, B, C's, and D's? Let's say you have a computer and you want to hack it. One way to hack it is doing something like a key log or simply doing a log reader. But if you're going to read a log, here's what's really fucking important. You don't want to screw up the stream. Okay, the stream is what's keeping the operating system going. The stream of data that you want to read, fine, but don't, like, interrupt it. The problem with this shitty NSA app that they're using right now against people I know in California is that it's like checking out a book from the library but not returning it, which means that it only takes one or two other diagnostic devices to figure out that you're being fucking hacked. So my advice is there's one use of my application right now. You go there, try saving, and then see if that cue to the left side of the screen refreshes with the thing you just saved. If it doesn't, you should email me and ask me if you see the record. If I see the record, you may have been hacked. It's a, it's a possibility. I will give it to you as a 50% diagnosis probability, at least 50%. And at least 50% being hacked by the federal government is a reason to rethink running Windows or Apple or Android or any of that. Uh, frankly, 
all the computers are owned. It's just a question of how owned they are. Now, why have I ranted about my friend in California? Because this is a woman that has enough stuff going on in her life as it is. She has all kinds of challenges and all kinds of things that she wants to get done. What she doesn't need is some shithead breaking into her home, which is what this is, using taxpayer dollars. You want to know how this connects to my military experience? I'll tell you how. You want to tell me about all the fucking heroes right now in the federal government, even in the military? These heroes should be protecting people like my friend. They should be preventing this from happening. They should be stopping this kind of shit from happening. No one should ever use these kinds of resources to stalk and manipulate and harm another person. But your taxpayer dollars pay for pedophiles and freaks at the NSA, at the CIA, at the 50, 50 fucking different whatever alphabets they, there might be if you ask Hillary, and definitely with all the alphabet fucking contractors out there. They are using these tools to harm people. Please tell me once again about why you fucking vote. Tell me. I want to understand, baby. Send me a fucking email. Send me a fucking essay and tell me why you vote. My friend, whose life is harmed by your voting, would love to fucking know. And if you say you didn't vote for this, every time you go into the booth, you vote for this. You don't vote for anything in particular. That button doesn't work. But you do vote through the ceremony. You, you do vote by playing pretend. My friend in California has a right to her privacy. And if we lived under a rule of law, this piece of shit would go to jail. But we don't, do we? Next topic. So I've been working on a programming project the last couple weeks. It's still very rough. The code is a mess, especially the JavaScript code, and I need to work on that, but I'm trying to just get the thing done, and sometimes you do end up cutting corners. Sorry. At least as far as, like, cleanliness goes. But, um, one of the things I gotta do, because, frankly, reality is too fucked up, in order to get the code written, I have to have a white noise. So I've been using TV shows. I'm still able to stream as a kind of white noise. And my most recent white noise is a show, again, dated by more than a decade, Mad Men. You know the TV show Mad Men about the Madison Avenue men of the 1950s and 60s selling you bras and toilet paper, selling you cigarettes and grease, 
Someone you love. Someone you peace, right? Mad Men. And I got to tell you something. As somebody who suffers from depression, it became obvious to me after the first, like, two episodes that that entire show is about depression. And I don't mean economic depression, no. I mean psychological, mental, spiritual depression. Every fucking character seems really depressed. Don Draper seems like one of the most depressed fucks ever. Lots of shit he can't deal with. Covers it up with a lot of, like, sex. And you say, well, that must be great. But let's just have a talk about reality. Cheating on people you love if you have a soul, is not great. It doesn't feel great. People that do a lot of that are doing that for the same reason why a person drinks too much. So, yeah, I've been watching the show Mad Men, and the one thing I get from the whole show is everybody on the show is really kind of just almost clinically depressed. topic. So in 2001, when I was, when I still had a girlfriend who would later be my ex-wife, in 2001, I more or less ended up on the road of, you gotta quit smoking cigarettes. I know you like those Marlboro lights. I know they really taste good with your vodka and Red Bull. But you have to stop smoking cigarettes. And even though I did fall off that wagon a couple times since then, for the most part, I've been mostly cigarette smoking free. Like, I've had a few periods of a few months here and there. But mostly cigarette free. But in 2001, before I, you know, quit the smoking wagon, I said something to my ex-wife, at the time, girlfriend. I said, you know, here's the deal. In 10 or 20 years, you think cigarettes will kill me in 10 or 20 years, right? In 10 or 20 years, if you believe what we're told, um, a whole bunch of, of diseases and cancers and other things are going to be cured. And technology will clean us out. Listen to that Kurzweil guy. We'll have nanites clean out our sphincters. If you believe what you're told... In 10 or 20 years, it won't matter if, you're sm if you smoke cigarettes. But if they're lying to us, if they're lying to us and it's bullshit and we're really looking at some type of, you know, end of period decline, then also it really doesn't matter if you smoke cigarettes. I mean, my point at the time was is that either way you look at it in the year 2001, and this is before 9-11, this was the summer of 2001 before 9-11, Either way you look at it, you might as well smoke up. Because if they're right about all the techno-utopian, we-can-fix-everything-with-science bullshit uh, and engineering bullshit, then fucking smoke your cigarettes because 
Of course they couldn't be lying, right? But what if they are lying? What if for what, whatever crooked reason they're definitely lying and none of these things are fixable? And you're going to get the cancer, but worse, they're lying about a lot of things that go very deep to the survival of the human race. Well, then why don't, why not smoke cigarettes? I got to say, one of my great regrets in recent months has been my inability to smoke cigarettes. It takes about a week. And that's an expensive week, probably two or three packs at eight bucks a pack. That's not easy money to come at, right? Right, right? And, I, and I'm tired of those vape things. I'd rather just smoke the real thing. You know, when I wake up in the morning. Right before my cup of coffee. Right before my bacon. Right before my morning beer, right before my morning whiskey, I want to smoke a cigarette. I want to taste that flavor. I want to be like the cowboy, the one with the oxygen tank. And here's the deal. After 2020, after seeing so many fucking morons in Seattle wearing one or more masks in the city, which already probably has an oxygen deprivation issue, um, when it's 90 degrees out and then maybe jogging, yeah, after 2020, I say smoke up. People have done a lot of wretchedly stupid shit from a health perspective. They've taken random fucking big pharma shit and let them shove it into their body. Why? Because just like with 9-11, we knew it was Osama bin Laden and we know we have a fucking warp speed cure. Yeah. You need to look deeper, folks. Okay? If you're one of these motherfuckers that took the vaccine then you have zero right to give me any speeches ever about drinking beer, vaping weed, and God forbid if I ever start smoking cigarettes again. I think I should start smoking cigarettes just out of fucking spite. Just because of all you scumbags that, in fact, I got the money. I'll go buy a fucking pack of American Spirit Orange Pack cigarettes tomorrow. I won't smoke inside because it's not a thing that I do with cigarettes but I'll start smoking them just to prove a fucking point, just to make an issue out of it. Hell, I might get more code written. This could be my, my big week. I finish off most of those final features so that notes is more than just alpha. It really is beta. I can get those features done. Burn after reading. Delete lock. Delist after 48 hours. Yes, it's a bulletin board, but it's a bulletin board where you can encrypt the note. So yeah, people can read the encryption, but if they can't decrypt it, guess what? Shit out of luck. And if you use it the right way, burn after reading, it means the person that decrypts 
ends up deleting the message. I mean, that's not bad for a site that you don't have to log into. If you're anywhere in the world and you're in trouble, all you need is a terminal and you can send a message to somebody. That's not bad. But it's dead-ass simple, which means that if you're being hacked, my application might help you diagnose that. Next topic. So I was talking about smoking. So a friend of mine um, in Utah that I'm living with, I'm renting a room from him. A friend of mine, Justin's working on using radio to send digital messages. And now you might say, well, Dan, that sounds weird. I got the internet. I got my iPhone. Why would I need to do that? Well, and actually, it's it's more interesting. We're, we're using CB radio bands, citizen band radio, which means radio you don't need a license for, to send digital messages. And it's possible that using relay nodes to propagate these messages around the world. And the great thing about the JS8 and the protocols being used, and there's a in the notes, there's a link to a video you can watch my friend doing. I help him with it. And he talks about the specifics. But for not a lot of money, for not a ton of money, you can put together the gear to hook up your computer to a, to a regular CB type radio and you can be sending and receiving digital messages that can go, like I said, around the world. And because it's using a narrow part of the spectrum, and because it's doing so in a digital way, it's fairly resilient, even under bad conditions. So we are working on that. We're gonna try to connect that to the notes application. So a person could post a note on the notes application and let's assume that the internet's still up but there's a disaster someplace. A shortwave radio digital operator could pick it up and they could retransmit it. And that could be retransmitted to find out if somebody's safe. That's one of the uses of what we're doing here. If someone is in trouble and the internet's still operating, they can go into my application, post a note, and encrypt it, and that could be a way for them to get help. So if you're asking me, why am I building a bulletin board, and why are we connecting it to JSA and a digital radio network, the answer is simple. Um, Human beings love to communicate, and that's how we stay alive. And one of the things me and my friend want to do and we're not communists, this is mostly just people wanting to solve problems, we want to help people stay alive. We don't want to see people hit the, hit the brick wall of history. And one way to avoid that with respect to the technology issue is to figure out ways around the internet. And this is one way around it. If you add EDI, which is electronic data interchange, it is a... Um, a formatting standard that was developed when most of the internet was 56k it was used for every industry there are different EDI specs for every industry including healthcare I think it's HL7 using EDI over JS8 
could be an amazing way for companies to maintain logistics if they can't use the internet. It could be an amazing way for people to keep the commerce going. No, you won't be able to do things like it's 1999, but maybe you can keep things going like it's 1979. I've said this many times in my podcast and I'll say it again. I do not believe this is the end of the world. I don't. I think a lot of people are preaching that. I don't believe it. I don't have the prophetic connection to tell you it's the end times. All I can tell you is that it is a period of discontinuity. You can call it anything you want to. I I think you could say history's boiling. It's not the end times, but a lot of things that were here before are going away. History is boiling and there's a lot of energy in the system and because of that many things that used to exist aren't going to exist in the the near future. But that doesn't mean the end of the world. And it is only the end of the world if we give up on each other. If we give up on the possibility that we can solve problems, guess what? You're a clever monkey just like me. You don't have to be a Christian if you don't want to be. That's your choice. But at least as a clever fucking monkey, you know you can solve problems. We can. We just have to believe in ourselves. And we have to get beyond the learned helplessness, which is a big part of why we're in the mess we're in right now. Next topic, a quote from Dr. Freckles. All useful programming languages are some kind of degenerate C. And if you don't know, the Unix operating system, which Linux is based on, and I think if you were to ask yourself, what are are the fastest computers on earth running? Is it Windows, uh, Apple, or some type of Unix? Yeah, you should find out for yourself. But um, the Unix operating system, that Linux is based upon was developed at Bell AT&T Labs in the late 60s. And one of the languages that came out of that development was a language called C. Guess what? There was an A, there was a B, and then they had a language called C. And to this day, you can program in Linux, in Unix, and in Windows, and in Apple using C. Of course, Apple has Objective-C, which really amounts to... (laughs) It amounts to having regular C with a toilet bowl for cleaning up memory dumps. But yeah, almost every language that we use today in programming, I don't care if it's JavaScript, Java, C-sharp, you name it, almost every one, there are exceptions. SQL is an exception, it's a declarative language. But almost every language you use for programming today is some child or grandchild of the programming language called C. And C is still a language, like I said, that you can do really cool stuff with. There are so many libraries now for C that a lot of the things you had to just code for yourself are just available. They're built into the language. That's boring. Next topic. My mouse is gaslighting me. And I feel like I'm going to go to the next topic after that probably too, you know.
I started noticing weird hacking stuff here at this home about three or four weeks ago. And and so, like with my friend in California, I think I'm also experiencing hacking. But unlike my friend in California, the only things they can really hack are my peripherals. They can hack my mouse. They can do other stuff. I'm basically in a safe enough situation with my computer that they could probably utilize hardware-level switches. And folks, I know that those things exist. But when you get to that point, it becomes brutally obvious that they're doing it. And then what you do is you just disconnect from the internet. That's the next step. Sad but true. You know, it's like with the Battlestar Galactica bullshit. You know, you don't want to network your computers at that point. So I don't know, folks. I think they're doing a lot of stupid shit as far as the internet goes and as far as computer security goes. And we probably are in that phase of our Soviet history where East Germans are being paid to spy on other, you know, East Germans. That's where we're at, folks. It's really crooked and gross. You have people working for the government now, especially because it's in collapse. You have people working for the government, a government in collapse, that has tremendous cybersecurity tools and connections to the deep state control of CPU production, which means that you have creepoids who are probably creeping into almost every computer in the country now. And they're not doing it for any type of freedom or justice. They're doing it because they're fucking creeps. That is also where we're at in the story of collapse. Yep. Next topic. So I have a concept that I want to throw away quite quickly called World Money War One. And I call it World Money War One because you can talk about Bitcoin and crypto in the context of fiat currencies and you can pretend it's a conflict. I don't think that's the case at all. I think cryptos are a furnace. Um, They're designed to take up the slack to prevent what's called consumer-level inflation. There's all kinds of inflation out there. But the kind of inflation that Powell does not want is the kind at the grocery store. He would just assume it'd be inflation of assets. And man, crypto, invisible, magical. You buy a lot of computer equipment that's called Keynesian. Crypto was an ultimate Keynesian commie gift, which makes it really funny because you'll have a lot of these quote-unquote crypto anarchists talking about how they're anarcho-capitalists. And dude, your entire system is based upon a lot of commie bullshit. And, And who the fuck knows who Satoshi is? And if they could find, excuse me, Osama bin Laden... Why the fuck couldn't they find a Satoshi? So there's a lot of bullshit in the crypto world. They want you to believe there is this gigantic conflict between the Federal Reserve and crypto. It's not the case. Like I said, crypto is a dump. 
Crypto is where Powell can print massive amounts of money. It gets pooped into crypto. I don't see people using it at the grocery store. I don't see people using it for shit. You want to tell me about your friend who bought a Lamborghini with Bitcoin? Fine. He used some fucking baseball cards to buy a fucking Lamborghini. But where the rubber meets the road, people are not using crypto, which means that crypto serves a purpose. It controls consumer-level inflation. It controls the inflation at the grocery store. Yeah, 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 you're still going to have pixelation and missing shit, but at least you won't see the pasta go up 100% every week. Yeah. World War Money One is bullshit. There's no such thing. If you believe in it, you're crazy. Next topic. I have a link to an article in this particular podcast I don't want to go into. It deals with the COVID vaccine. The article basically talks about the fact that it seems a limited number of batches are responsible for most, de- for most of the vaccine deaths. And here's the deal. I don't really believe um, much of the COVID narrative. In fact, I think I believe almost none of it. As far as causality goes, I know that the banking system was blowing up in June of July of 2019 before the monkey herpes COVID showed up. Um, Other things were occurring before that. So for me, logically, the COVID doesn't make sense as a real thing. It makes sense as a fake thing. It doesn't make any fucking sense on any of the narratives, whether it's the Chinese murder virus or the Fort Detrick murder virus or the other kind of murder virus. None of those stories make sense. But as a germophobic mindfuck, COVID makes a lot of fucking sense. Um... So I don't want to spend much time on this. You can think on the vaccine yourself. I do not know what to say. Misplaced levitas, displaced gravitas. That's the next topic. But that deals with the nurses. You know, one of the obvious fucking red flags should have been early in the monkey herpes was all the dancing nurses bullshit. Um, What is gravitas? Gravitas is a concept that goes back to ancient Rome, but it is this notion of having a seriousness about things that we should take seriously. Okay? Doesn't mean we don't get to joke. It just means that there are times and places for making jokes, and you need to understand that. That's gravitas. That is your seriousness. That's your understanding of importance. Levitas is knowing when to smile, knowing when to laugh. Knowing how, to, knowing how to tell a joke and, and what's funny. When I saw the dancing nurses bullshit, it was confusing. And, and it was later that, that I understood is because the levitas and the gravitas were not in the same place at the same time. Um, you don't dance around. If you're telling people lots of people are dying, grandmas and mothers. No, no, no. It's not hospital-acquired infection. It's not a hospital fuck-up that they would have been sued sued for prior to 2020. No, it's the magical monkey herpes. You don't tell people that all these people are dying and then dance the fuck around in smocks and clothes that look clean as fuck. Clean as fuck. 
Every fucking video, everything looked fucking clean. Let me tell you something about pandemics, epidemics, and plagues in every fucking century to include the 21st fucking century. Shit gets dirty. It gets gross. You see blood. You see phlegm. You see viscera. Real fucking pandemics and plagues have obvious fucking evidence. And one thing that is generally missing from real fucking plagues are dancing fucking nurses. One of the obvious signs that should have triggered everybody was the misplaced gravitas, the misplaced levitas, the idea that they were really making fun of something that was happening right now. They weren't making a joke about the 14th century. Fucking make whatever jokes you want to. Those people's bones have turned to dust. But people were actually dying when these nurses were dancing. And the commies were marching with all the other bullshit in 2020 that, you know, Ian Miles wrong and Andy No Clue got completely, yeah, wrong. This next topic, I don't know if I want to talk about it. It's titled Starving the Dog to Death. And here's the thing. I love dogs. Um, probably more than cats. Mostly because I understand, you know, where cats are coming from. And it's really not the same place as dogs, brothers and sisters. But here's the deal. When we think about making decisions, like imagine the powers that be, which I believe to be true, decided to do what they've been doing. It's a lot like sitting in the same room with a dog that you're starving to death. And your your expectation is the dog won't eat you. I, I think that that is an expectation. I think it's possible. Um... It's one of the reasons why I've been very confused by what they're doing, because it isn't the confusion as much as the terror. It's possible that what they're doing is managing collapse. They're trying to avoid it or whatever. But if so, as I've said, it's like remodeling with dynamite. It looks dumb. If this is their idea, their wretchedly stupid reset idea, then it's really dumb and they've failed. And that's good news for people that believe in freedom. It means they've culminated, they've failed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's still a lot of sturm und drang and there's going to be a lot of speeches from Biden and other types of freaks. But it means that the United States federal government empire is pretty much over. That's what that means. But it also means that they're in a room with people with a dog that they've been starving. And they're well-fed, and, and they look fat as F, and that dog is hungry. You see, the question is, 
why would they put themselves into this corner? And the answer I come up with is that they're wretchedly evil fucks and that ultimately they probably wouldn't if they had an option. Or if they thought that something was coming that was so fucking terrible, it wouldn't fucking matter. And by the way, collapse from where we've been could be that bad. So yeah, it still fits. You might think the collapse of the U.S. dollar would be a mere financial issue, but a lot of people will wake up poor the next day, and a lot of companies will be bankrupt, and a lot of organizations will basically cease to exist. If the U.S. dollar collapses, a huge portion of what we think is the world's wealth completely vaporizes. That's part of it. Part of it is you won't be able to easily move troops around. Like, if you want to get your troops home, you're probably going to have to use gold and silver. Yeah, you know all those troops we have in Japan? All those troops in you know, Germany? 700 bases worldwide. Do you want to get them home after the dollar collapses? You're going to have to trade real shit. And they're not going to take dollars. That's not real to them at that point. Um... So the dollar collapse by itself could be horrible enough that it explains some of what they're doing. Like they're, th this general sense that there'll be no consequences. Because they're all acting like nothing can happen to them. And that really does imply that most people will either be dead or trying to avoid death and they won't be hunting down Bill Gates and George Soros and other crooked scumbags. Um, I don't know. If I lose sleep at night, it is over the following question. Did they lie to us about something that we could have done something about? I mean, listen, folks. Does the government lie? <laughs> does the government lie? Oh, my God. Does an Irishman drink beer? What if they thought, and I've spoken about this before, they thought something way worse was coming, and they thought the best answer was to lie about it, to cover it up. It's terrible. It's that same noble lie bullshit, but oh, we can't tell people because they're all going to go crazy. You know something? That's some serious fucking projection, Fed. I look at the shit you do, Fed, the countries you vaporize, the children you abuse, and you're telling us that if you tell us the truth, we'll all go fucking crazy and do crazy shit. United States government, you guys fracked for natural gas more than once in the last century with nuclear weapons. Tell me again about how ordinary people might go ape shit. Please. Give me that fucking dumbass argument. I have siblings who will do that. Well, the government knows better. Yeah, they know how to do a lot of wretched shit with a lot of stolen money. That's what they know how to do. They're really fucking good at it. Next topic. Cleaning up the list. I'm not on Getter any longer. If you want to know, Getter... It's a complete waste of time. 
A, it's pretty much a ripoff of Twitter, and B, if you're like me, you'll get shadow banned really, really fast. So do not waste your time on Getter. There's a lot of mindfuck bullshit going on in Getter. You should get off of that app. It's stupid. It's deep state. It's a waste of fucking time. Next topic. Yeah, history's boiling right now. I would say to people out there that feel scared and lost, cut yourself slack. I would say that life goes on, and that is true. I would say that human beings, for all their bullshit, don't control the universe. We don't. We don't control the universe. We barely control our own lives and that whatever damage we do, as horrible as it is, and we do some horrible fucking damage, but whatever damage we do, I believe nature, and I believe with the grace of God, that these things can repair themselves. So when you look at what's going on right now, history, as we understand it, is boiling. We are in what I talked about a couple of years ago. We're in the heart of the great discontinuity. And it's kind of creepy and scary. And people are clinging to bad ideas. All the things I told you would happen are happening. That doesn't make me prophetic. That makes me mildly observant. That's it. But people are doing a lot of things I expected them to do. Uh, and a few things have been curveballs. You know? A few things that I didn't quite expect. But all that energy is going to be released. And during this process, even though it'll be potentially scary, and even though you'll be expected to do things you haven't had to do before, there's going to be a lot of joy and a lot of possibility and a lot of things to look forward to. Okay? This idea of doom and gloom is based upon a false premise. Again, another fucking false premise. Life isn't that simple. It is a lot like the tale of two cities. It is a lot like saying it was the best of times and it was the worst of times. That is likely all the time. All the time throughout history, there have been people who've been happy and people who've been sad. All the time throughout history, there has been violence, death, killing, murder. All the time. It may not have been happening on your block, but like I said in my refutation, refutation, whatever you want to call it, my refuting of the Milgram bullshit, just because you can't hear it or see it or touch it does not mean it's not happening. You really can't say anything at all, really. But you definitely can't dismiss the possibility, and that is kind of important. So cut yourself some slack, especially if you're a mom or a dad right now and you have kids. Cut yourself some fucking slack. Um, and if you're a teenager, I don't know why you would be listening to this podcast, but if you're a teenager, cut yourself some slack. It's always confusing to be a teenager. It is creepy and dangerously confusing now. Teenagers are being fed a lot of shit. 
So cut yourself some fucking slack. Next topic. I should check the time here. Check the time bullet. Holy fuck. I should probably close it out soon. Here's a quote from Dr. Freckles. You can create art, and most people might hate it. And that doesn't mean they're right, Dr. Freckles. When it comes to creating art, especially because it represents something that doesn't fit into food, water, shelter, basic survival, when it comes to creating art, and especially I'd say in the United States of America these days, people can be intimidated and they won't try. They're told that only people who do certain things can do it, and if you're not one of those special people and you don't fit into a certain group, you can't do it. Which I can tell you is total fucking bullshit. Um, H.P. Lovecraft arguably shaped much of the horror science fiction of the century that followed, well, didn't follow his death yet, but the century that definitely followed him first publishing. One of his first short stories, I think, um... I always forget the name of it, but it was about the dude lost at sea that finds that weird creature. No, um, Lovecraft first published stories in the right around the end of World War One, just after and he died kind of penniless. He didn't have any money. He worked at a movie theater in some of the last years of his life. I mean, for all the effort he put into writing, and he put in a lot of effort, he didn't get much in his lifetime. But it's kind of impossible if you understand contemporary science fiction and horror fiction. It's almost impossible to see any of it today in any context on a deep level without thinking about Lovecraft. Um, But yet, while he was alive, he didn't have great acclaim. He had a few people who liked him. He had a few people who followed him, a few people who read his stories. But it wasn't like um, Dagon, by the way, was the name of the story, Dagon. Dagon, Delta Alpha Gulf, Oscar November... I think that was one of the first stories he got published. And that would have been a little more than 100 years ago. H.P. Yeah. Lovecraft, Vincent Van Gogh. Uh, I would even add um, Tesla. There's lists of people that have received acclaim or no, received partial acclaim, considering their impact, or no acclaim at all got no credit while they were alive, or very little, or not enough. Um, And yet, if you look at them a hundred years later, you can't imagine the world without them. You can't imagine the way you think about the world without them.
Ada Lovelace. Ada Lovelace knew Charles Babbage. Charles Babbage was building a computer in the middle of the 19th fucking century Boblimtok. And it was an analog computer. It used steam. It was a steampunk computer. And many computer scientists who have studied his designs have come to the conclusion that even his more advanced computers would have been feasible. They would have been huge. They would have been chewing up a lot of, you know, freaking coal, but they would have been feasible. Ada Lovelace, a woman, right? A woman, okay? Shouldn't be an issue, but I'm mentioning it. Ada Lovelace developed one of the first computer languages. A computer language to work with Charles Babbage's calculating machine. While she was alive, maybe almost nobody knew of her. And in the world of science and engineering in the middle of the 19th century, Ada Lovelace would have been kind of shunned. I mean, let's be honest. It was an old boys club. And maybe it still is today, but it definitely was then. But if you ask the question, did Ada Lovelace impact human history? The simple answer is yes. Even though, while she was alive, she probably didn't get the credit she deserved. And whether you're a a man or a woman, no matter your gender or your sexual preference, it is possible as an artist that if you create art, or as a scientist or an engineer, if you create something, it's possible that while you're alive, people will just make fun of you. They'll think you're stupid. They won't like any of what you've said at all. And it's also possible that a hundred years later, people will use you as a footnote. And they won't be able to imagine history without you. Next topic, another quote from Dr. Freckles, maybe this will round things out, I don't know, I kind of want to get through a whole bunch of stuff really, but um, great art gets you to look at things the artist did not intend to create. What does that mean?
Great art gets you to look at things the artist did not intend to create. What does that mean? Well, I would say great art, and especially great literature throughout history, has given birth to critics. There's always critics, you know, literature critics, movie critics, theatrical critics, food critics. You know, food is an art form. Food can be one of the most critical art forms. Being a great cook, a great chef, can be the difference between a good day and a bad day. And I mean that. Like that meal you have can be a little good or really, really good. Believe me, there is a freaking difference. But the great food, the great art, the great literature, the great films, they have things in them that even the artist didn't necessarily see. And it's not because the artist doesn't have control. It's because I believe. When artists are creating, they create a lot more than they always see. And that's not a bad thing. Great art is generative. What does that mean exactly, really? Great art becomes a springboard. Did you know that John Carpenter's version of the thing was based upon H.P. Lovecraft's At the Mountains of Madness. You might not have known that, but he did. It was one of the sources of inspiration for him. I don't know that anybody named H.P. Lovecraft could have imagined a guy named John Carpenter making a movie based upon a short story of his, but it is what kind of happened. Great art not just has things in it that the artist didn't necessarily see. Great art becomes the basis for other art. It is its own source of powerful inspiration. You know, people talk about these George Soros district attorneys. Here's the deal. You want to get to the heart of potentially the current bullshit. Here's a group of people you need to be looking into. They're called hospital administrators. If you want to understand the weakness in this entire game, if you really want to get to the nub of it, you need to investigate the hospitals. You don't need to go to the Ian Miles wrong, Andy no clue, fake commie protests. You don't need to be obsessed over all the weird stories around Russians and Chinese. You need to fucking investigate the goddamn hospitals. Because on one level, this is a gigantic accounting scam. And I'm, and I'm 
fairly convinced it's one that would be easy to unravel if anyone had the fucking courage to turn their fucking laser beam light on the fucking hospitals. All the hospital systems, all the administrators, all the providers, look deep into that cavern. I promise you, you will find the truth of the monkey herpes. Stop talking about your district fucking attorneys. They are not your fucking problem, you fuck. Investigate the hospitals. I would love to see Ian Miles Wrong and Andy No Clue and Paul Joseph Watson and Joe Rogan investigate the fucking hospitals. Actually do it. Believe me, if you had the courage, if you had the tools, if you're willing to take the risk, there's gold in them there hills where, when it comes to the fucking truth. You want to know what a schwerpunkt in von Siegt militaristic Germanic terms is? It's the fucking hospitals. That's where you tip over the psyop. That's where you tip over the bullshit. Right from the beginning, the hospitals were always the place where the thing was being sponsored, created, corrupted, grown, and spread. Next topic. And how many topics do I have left, really? Well, shit, I have a couple. They're not really great, but I feel like just cleaning this shit up. Here's a quote from Dr. Freckles. If you have any money left when you die, you fucked up, Dr. Freckles. What does that mean? And then you're going to say, what about money for the kids? And here's my fucking response, asshole. If you're 80 years old and your kids are in their 40s and that's when you're planning on helping them out to start their fucking career, how can I phrase this? You kind of already fucking failed. You really did. You failed. Here's the deal. Communism is bullshit. But understanding the nature of power is not. And having a big pile of gold is great, but if it's just sitting there doing nothing, it's not useful to you and it's not useful to anyone else. Now, from my perspective, I want to live in a free society. If your ideal life is to make a pile of gold that's your own business. And if you want to make a pile of gold surrounded by machine guns, controlled by computers that make sure nobody touches your gold until the end of fucking time, and you want to put a tripwire neutron bomb in there so if somebody tries to take your fucking gold, they get vaporized, that's your own fucking business, buddy. I mean, I don't know why you're doing it. And if you're a Christian, clearly you haven't read all the right parables. But that's your business if you want to do that. If you ask me, there are things you need in this life, and you need them. You need food, you need water, you need shelter, you need air you can breathe, and you need freedom. Those are the things you need, okay? You need all those things. It doesn't mean there's any institution that's going to give them to you. Sorry, that's not what that implies, Rawls, Kami, Keynesian bullshit artists. It just means you need them. But then there are things you want. And it's okay to want too. And, and if, as long as you're wanting things that you have, 
and as long as you're having things you want, and as long as you're giving the, away the things you no longer want so you don't clutter up your fucking life, it's totally okay to want and desire. But if you look at your life realistically, and you ask the simple question, how much shit could you possibly have and use? How much shit could you possibly have and want? The answer is, it's not a very big fucking number. It's not the size of some fucking yacht that, let's say, Jeff Bezos builds that the fucking people of the Netherlands or whatever have to tear down bridges so it can get by. No, that's called fucking stupid. That, I don't know what goes on in the brain of Jeff Bezos, but that's asinine. It's stupid. It doesn't represent any understanding of the way the world works, and it's not wise. Everything that he does to blow money on stupid shit is a potential investment in things that go beyond his life. They are chances lost. He has things he really can't possibly use or want or need. He has a lot of shit. At least if you need to tear down bridges to move your fucking yacht. It's okay to give money to your kids, but when do you do it? Do you do it when you're 80 years old and they're all standing angrily and greedily around your fucking dying body? Or do you do it at the opportunities you'll have throughout your life to help them? I don't mean enable them. I don't mean keep them trapped. Okay? If you don't know the difference, you need to fucking ask for some help from Jesus. If you die with a pile of money at the end of your life, the most gracious thing I can say is, I hope a poor family comes along and takes it. If you think the purpose of your life was to die with a pile of money, even if you're a fucking atheist, you must be deeply fucking confused about the nature of reality. You must be. Everything you build will turn to dust. Your body will turn to dust. If you have a family, as much as you love them, they will die one day and they will turn to dust. Your opportunity to live is today. Even as an atheist, even if you don't believe in God, your moment to be alive is today. If you die with some giant fucking bank account at the end of your fucking life that you just left to some random motherfucker, could be a crackhead, could be a meth head, could be that artificially intelligent fucking machine that, you know, decides to use your money to build robot fucking sociopathic murder hookers. If you die with a stack of sweaty dynamite being left by the wayside at the end of your life, in my opinion, you had an opportunity you missed. And that's a nice way of putting it. Next topic, so we can get through them. This going back to normal shit, I don't really want to spend a lot of time on it. Um, you know, don't think I don't think normal is a thing, and I also think that going back to normal is definitely not a thing. 2019's over. It's been over for a couple years. Whatever's coming, 
I don't think it's going to be an easy ride for people that aren't willing to give up bad ideas. And that's a nice way of putting it. If you have a lot of bad ideas rattling around your head, you're not going to do well. Um, today, tomorrow, coming soon. That's my belief. Not trying to scare you. Just trying to wake you up to the possibility that if there's ever been a fucking time in your fucking life to be open-minded and at least to be willing to question your beliefs, now is a good time. Next topic. Oh, this building bunker bullshit. I don't want to talk about it. I don't care. This is the last topic. Let's talk about wastes of time because I kind of in that vibe too. What's a waste of time? If you if you're wondering if your money is clean money and you live in a country with a central bank, I think that's a waste of time. All the money is pretty fucking dirty at this point. If you think government is stupid, Government has always been fucking stupid. If you spend a lot of time on thinking how you're going to make it less stupid, that's a waste of fucking time. And being afraid of the incompetent government, especially while it's in collapse, is is a waste of fucking time. If you're wondering if you're prepared for what's going to happen, you should do the best you can. You really should. You should think about having some food on hand. I, I, I don't think that's crazy. I, I kind of think they're designing this to kind of fail all at once in a way. Not exactly because they're not that smart. But they're keeping the plate spinning. And when they stop spinning, it's not going to be some gentle degradation. So there are things you should do. But if you're spending your days wondering, are you prepared enough? The answer is you're never prepared enough and get over it. Do the things you can do. If you need to, treat the prepping like camping, okay? Everyone likes, well, a lot of people love to go camping. There's nothing wrong with buying camping equipment. So, but if you spend a lot of time asking yourself, am I totally prepared? That's a waste of fucking time. If you're worried about your weight or your diet right now, like if you if you weigh too much, if you're overweight, I would say that it's kind of a waste of time because in the very near future, that's just going to mostly not be a thing for most people. You will lose a lot of weight. All of us will. I think there's at least some type of global famine on the horizon. It may not last more than a couple years, but you know, a couple years is enough with billions of people on the earth. So if you're worried about losing weight, I would say get healthy, go out walking. You know, I would make changes to your diet and I would definitely look towards local food sources like go to the farmer's market. But if you're worried about losing weight for a bikini or something, give up on it. I don't think you have to worry about that. You'll be on the Venezuela diet plan pretty fucking soon. If you're worried about your drinking, drinking will be more expensive. So I say drink up, buddy. That's kind of where I'm almost at. If you're worried about your smoking, oh my God. 
Have you seen the Slogan City Freaks the last couple years wearing masks made by TB drones in some crack dungeon in Vietnam, covered in scrungo grease, packing those specialized masks into the box, the N95s, so you can breathe in their scumbo viscera? Yeah, if you're worried about smoking cigarettes after 2020, don't fucking worry. Be like me. Learn to smoke cigarettes again. If you're worried about having the right kind of clothes right now, like being in fashion, being uh, having the, the latest shoes, if you're a teenager, why you'd be listening to me, I have no idea. But if you're any type of person and you're worried about your fashion, stop. S-T-A-H-P. Stop. You don't need to worry about it. If you're worried about your social media, I'll let you in a little secret. You don't need to worry about your social media. In fact, what you should worry about is your neighbor down the hall. You should get to know your neighbors. If you haven't gotten to know your neighbors, it's okay. But please, by all means, stop fucking worrying about your Twitter and your Facebook and all the other crap. Believe me, it was never a thing. They could always take it away and their system is crumbling. So worrying about social media is a waste of fucking time. Are you worried about your credit card? Are you worried about your car payment and your house payment? I, You know, pay it if you're afraid they'll take it back and you need it. But worrying about your credit score or your house payment or your debt at this point in human history is a supreme waste of fucking time. It is you mind-fucking yourself for the banks. You need to stop worrying. If they go bankrupt, if they run into credit problems, my whole adult fucking life, they get a bailout. They get some type of structured default. They get some president closing the fucking gold window. Ever since I was fucking born, a bank, a, bank, a major bank, was getting some type of fucking handout so it wouldn't get vaporized. But guess what, you schmuck? You're not going to get that help. If you're worried about your debt or your credit card, pay what you can to, to keep yourself afloat fine. But stop stressing about it. It doesn't make you bad. It doesn't make you anything other than stuck in a crooked fucking system. If you're worried about your credit score, it's a waste of fucking time. Are you over the age of 50? If you're over the age of 50 and you feel a little bit of pain, here's a little lesson. You don't have to go to the doctor. If you're over the age of 50 and your joints don't always feel so great, you don't have to go to the fucking doctor. If you're over the, over the age of 50, If you're over the age of 50, focusing on pain, little pains you get, that's a waste of fucking time, baby. Oh, but Dan, what if I'm going to have a heart attack? What if I'm going to get the Grinkus?
I've said this a lot in many recent podcasts because it seems like a lot of people skip the age of 12. And maybe it's not 12, maybe it's 10, but at some point when you're a kid, you figure out something. Maybe it was a dog or a cat, maybe it was a grandparent. But when you're a kid, you come, you should, you should come to the understanding, unless you were mind-fucked by your parents, you should come to the understanding that everybody dies. And it's sad. And by the way, it's mostly sad for the people left behind. The people that are dead, if you're an atheist, are just gone. And if you're a Christian and, and you think that they were people who were a Christian, they're in heaven. And so there is a beyond, but listen, the pain on earth is the pain of, of mortal beings who will themselves be dead at some point. The people that are dead are no longer in pain. If you're over the age of 50 and you feel a little bit of pain, that's okay. It's part of growing old. And if you're scared of growing old, well, basically that's like saying you're scared of living. Every single day from the moment you were born, you were growing old. And yeah, it's scary to grow old, but it's even scarier to grow old and not accept it and not be okay with it. So let's all stop wasting so much time, right? Anyways, I'll get on with business. Holy crap, it's Monday. It's almost 3 a.m. Almost 3 a.m. on Monday. Can't believe it. Monday, February the... What? Bullshit February day is it? It's February the f fucking 7th. Boblimp Talk 2022. And if you're heading to work this morning... And if you're thinking to yourself, what can I do to make the day a brighter day? Well, you can get yourself a milkshake. You can get yourself a cigarette. You can get yourself a shot of whiskey. You can get yourself a cheeseburger. You can go down to the wharf and find yourself a fucking hooker. Get yourself an eight ball of cocaine. And then you can take it to the next level and be ready, baby. But just keep in mind, just because you can't hear the screams... Just because you can't hear the wails, just because you can't feel the torment, doesn't mean that no one is being harmed. Mr. and Mrs. Hamlin, Dr. and Dr. and Mrs. Milgram. If a tree falls in the forest, does it make a noise? Better question, if a tree falls on a person in the forest, does the person make a noise? And if you don't know, does it matter, right? You guys have a great fucking Monday.